Okay, we've got two readings today. Uh, first one is from Colossians 3, uh, 22 to 4.1. And after that, we'll jump across to 1 Peter 3, verses uh, 13 to 18. So hopefully I get all that right. Okay, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, 1 Peter 3, uh, 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ shall be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you here. Let me just say it's a uh, good day in our household. Uh, it's my wife's birthday, so if you want to say happy birthday to Kath, that would be a great thing. Yeah, give her a clap. I'm going to pray. Father, we do thank you we can be here today and we thank you for your word that brings light and life to our souls. And Father, as we think again about the place of work and particularly today how the gospel impacts and changes us in our work, we do ask that you would mould us and shape us according to your ways and purposes so that we might glorify you in and through our work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk today in this series on work about the gospel and work. And what we've been doing, if you're a visitor today, uh, we've been trying to think about how our faith and our work collide together and impact. And the Christian faith is far more than just Sundays. Uh, The Christian faith goes out all through the week and in particular, it needs to impact our work. Now, the question I want to start with is, what is the gospel? Because today I want to think about, how does the gospel actually shape our work? We've looked at the fact that we're created to work. Uh, God is a worker and he made us to work. Uh, We've also seen that there is a frustration about work. Uh, The reality is that this is a world that's turned its back on God. And so we're always going to be frustrated and never able to find our ultimate meaning and purpose through our work. 
But thirdly, we saw that we're not the creator, we're the creatures and we need to rest from our work. But the gospel impacts and changes our views about work. But what is the gospel? Well, you can think about it in a number of ways. Think about it this way. Firstly, it's an event. Uh, The gospel is good news and it announces to the world an event which is centred in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that event is about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, the fact that he's gone back to heaven and one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. But this event's a historical event. Uh, It's not just a fairy tale. I remember as a young child, I remember thinking, is it like Hans Gretel Andersen stories? Um, No, it's actually a real person who lived in our world, the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it's so historical, history is now divided up by the coming of this event. We have BC, we have AD. Before Christ or ad domino in terms of the year of our Lord. And so all of history is actually marked by this event. But it's not just a historical event, it's a supernatural event. Uh, It's an event whereby when people respond to it and understand it and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be born again and totally transformed in how we see our life and how we relate to God and we receive the Spirit of God. It's an incredible event. But it's also a paradoxical one. Uh, When you understand the Gospel, you'll see that Jesus wins through losing. Uh, Jesus came to power through weakness. Uh, It turns categories on their head. And it's an event you've just got to keep thinking about the Gospel. Um, There's no end to the ways you can start to think and ponder this reality that the Lord of the universe, the Creator, became a creature and died on a cross for those who had rebelled against Him. It's profound. And what I want to do today is think about how this incredible event changes the way we see our work. And I've got three things to talk about. Firstly, it gives us a new story for work. It secondly gives us a new way to work. And thirdly, it actually creates a new type of work. Let's have a look at those three things. Firstly, it gives us a new story for work. Now, everyone has got a story here today. Um, We're all born somewhere to parents... We've lived our life in places and we've done things and we accumulate a story along the way. And if you're new here, part of my story is um, I was raised by a single mother. My dad died when I was about two or three years old. And that very fact has affected me in all kinds of ways. Um, I've got an incredible admiration for my mother who raised me single-handedly with two other boys. Um, But what it meant was that effectively I didn't have that same level of support that you have in a two-parent family. Uh, There was no father on the sidelines cheering for me, if I can say, through life. Now, mum did an incredible job, but she was trying to do it all for three boys. Didn't have a husband to work alongside that. And one of the things that happened for me is I learned very early on that if I didn't do something by myself, it probably wouldn't happen. It was just the reality of life. I I had to get up off my backside and start working. And I learned that the hard way, Um, And I learnt that I had to deal with responsibility uh, and take situations and just learn how to cope with them. And the result has been, um, if you work with me, uh, I get really annoyed at people who deflect blame onto others. Um, It really does annoy me, I think. Just take responsibility for your own life and get right with it. Now, anyway, that's just a little bit about me. (laughs) Um, 
I get really annoyed with people who can't say sorry. I think, take responsibility for your life for you. If you've bummed up, just make an honest confession of it and confess your sins. It's like, you know, take responsibility. Now, all of us will have our stories and they'll affect us in different ways. But what we need to do is actually have a story that explains every story. You see, all of our stories are different, but what is the story that explains all of our stories? And it's what philosophers will call um, the meta-narrative. And a meta-narrative is basically a big story that will explain every other story. And it will explain the story of what human life is about and what human life should be like. It will explain the story of what has knocked human life off balance, why there are problems in the world, why there are problems in me. And we'll also give some sort of solution for how we can make life or myself right. Now, everyone will know to some extent that this world is seriously out of whack. Now, if you don't know that, um, we do need to have a chat. We live in a world that's flooded with suffering and hardship. Uh, We live in a world where there are the haves and the have-nots. We live in a world where there's riches and poverty. We live in a world where there's injustice, there's evil, there's goodness, there's also nobility. And how do you take account of all of that? Personally, we know we are not who we would like to be, I think, in our honest moments. And all of us will have internal struggles with what we would like to think of ourselves as and the reality of who we actually are. It's one of the confronting realities when you get feedback about who you are. I'm in the process at the moment in terms of my leadership of going through a 360 degree review and I've invited about 30 people from church to actually tell me what am I really like. Anyway, uh, that'll be a fun day when I get it back, won't it? But you need that. And you see, we struggle. And I want you to think about it this way. Um, We would love to be happy and fulfilled, but it seems so fleeting and short-lived. And if we experience happiness and fulfilment in any ways, it just seems to go. What's the big story that explains all of this? Well, I want to put it to you, it's the gospel. Now, not everyone has obviously agreed with this. You think of the different philosophers and thinkers of the world. Um, You've got Plato, he had his own worldview, meta-narrative to explain life and the way it worked. And he talked about, if I can say, the tension between the physical world and the world of ideas, the kind of spirit world. You think of Marx. Uh, Humanity's great major weakness was unjust economic systems where the rich few exploit the many poor. It was what began the story of communism. And I want you to think about what is the meta-narrative for Western culture? In other words, what does our culture sell us as the big story to explain all other stories. And I was thinking about this during the week, and this is what I've written, I think, which is our cultural big story. There might be a God or gods that oversee life, but typically I'm not sure of it. What I do know and have certainty in is this. It's the physical life that I experience now. Meaning and purpose is found through the pursuit of life here and now. And at the centre of this big story is actually me. It's my choices, my ambitions, my happiness. And please don't challenge me on that or tell me otherwise. 
The problem in Western culture that we're told is that we're not happy and that we're not fulfilled. And so the story that we've been sold continues like this. By the pursuit of happiness in achievement, in experiences, in relationships, I hopefully will find meaning to this life. And because I've got no certainty about how life will finish, life after death, I better make the most of my life now. Now, I don't know if you resonate with that. Uh, I read it to a couple of people today, uh, yesterday, and they said, yeah, that does feel like Western culture. No certainty about the question of God, no certainty about life after death. Actually, you've got to try and make the most of life now. And the pursuit of life now is about trying to find your personal happiness fulfilment, which we do through various channels. Now, I want you to place work into this story. Where does work fit into this big story uh, in our culture? And what's the meaning of work in this culture? Well, work typically becomes the place where people will try and find their identity, uh, where our sense of achievement will come from. And so work can facilitate for us in our current culture meaning and purpose, uh, also through the acquisition of wealth. And so we're hell-bent to try and make the most money. It's fascinating to reflect on the way university students are choosing courses today versus 50 years ago. I read a very interesting article, uh, piece um, by someone in the higher education in America that the finance sector was never deemed sexy many years ago. It is today because typically it's got the highest paying jobs. Uh, the sciences and engineering, education, where you were seen to be, if I can say, productive citizens in the world, pushing the frontiers of science and working out how the world worked, were far more attractive than today. Uh, we've become very pragmatic in our education. It's all about trying to get a job and working and earning money. And you ask the question then of religion as well, where does this fit into kind of the cultural story of our culture, uh, the mega story? And well, it's just one way you find meaning and happiness because that's the great goal, find meaning and happiness. And so you'll notice people say this if you say you're a Christian. Well, if that works for you, great. So they won't put me down for being a Christian, but don't please bother me with it. In other words, if it works for you, good, but I'm okay over here. Because the individual and their happiness and not God is at the centre of the story. And it's against that meta-narrative... We need to think about work and we need to think about how the gospel impacts our work because, you see, the story, the big story of the gospel is this. We are not at the centre of the story. We are not. Jesus is. He is the one who is at the centre. And the way you will get meaning and purpose in life and security, which we so desperately want, uh, is not by trying to work for it, but it's actually realising Jesus is the one who provides it. And my identity is found not through my work, it's actually found through belonging to Christ. Uh, my purpose is found not ultimately through my work, it's actually found in belonging to the kingdom of God and serving in there. My joy comes not ultimately through what I can achieve, but it's actually in knowing and serving the living God. And I want to read to you Colossians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles there, open up to page 1182. It's the earlier section of the first reading. And it's a very profound 
summary of Jesus and the gospel. And I'm going to read one, uh, Colossians chapter 1 from verse 16, and it's speaking of the Lord Jesus. Paul says this, for in him, that's Jesus, all things were created. So he, he's created everything, things in heaven and on earth, uh, what is visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, that's by Jesus, and they're for him. He is before all things. He's the Alpha, and in him all things hold together. He's the one that sustains what's going on. And he is the head of the body, he's the head of the church, he's the beginning from, and the firstborn amongst the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, God was so pleased with him that he had all th- his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, what the gospel says is, when you think about the big story of life and of history, that all of our stories are a part of, he is the one who is at the centre of it all. He's the maker of it all. He's the head of it all. And he's the one who puts things back together and solves the problems of it all. He reconciles all things and it's done through his death on the cross. He's the centre of the story. And the Gospel says this, make the story that you have for your life and your work to be interpreted through this lens of the Gospel. We actually have to interpret our work through the lens of the Gospel. And so when you get to the end of Colossians, and we had this in the first reading, that's exactly what Paul does. You see, as we've already seen, work is a good thing given to us by God. We should enjoy our work, but we need to enjoy it in the context of God being over us. And what the gospel does, as we realise it gives us a new story for work, is it gives us a new way to work. I'm going to read the passage that was first read by Mitch. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when your eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong and there's no favouritism. Masters, Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, just a couple of things to make note. Um, it's talking here in the context of slaves and masters. Uh, that was very different in the first century to what we typically think of in terms of um, the Afro-American slave culture, which um, we have been educated on through Martin Luther King, etc., etc., uh, and the race struggles in America uh, where there was great oppression. Slaves in the first century typically actually had a fairly normal existence. It was more like being an employee. Now, I'm not here to endorse what was there, but we need to recognise that the structure was far more like a worker with a boss, the master. And so the instructions here help us understand, I think, um, by derivation, how workers are to work. And what's fascinating is, you see, Paul interprets work within the great story of the gospel. And it actually changes the way you work. And there's a number of things he says here. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity and heart and reverence for the Lord. 
In other words, the way you work is you actually realise that the centre of your story of work is not your immediate boss. There is one over you, which is the Lord Jesus, who you work to please. And the word there is reverence or fear. There's a sense of which um, you're in awe of Jesus, so in awe of him that you want that expressed in your daily life as you work for someone. And obedience is what is key here. Secondly, verse 23, 24, he says it very explicitly, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters, because you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now, this is an incredible thing. As you go about your daily work, you're actually serving Jesus in that. And so one of the things we've got to keep reminding ourselves is there's not a dichotomy between Sunday coming to praise God in church and Monday going to work for the boss, whoever that might be. Because ultimately, it's actually the same boss. We come here to praise Jesus today. Tomorrow, you go out to serve him in the world. And people are serving him today. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all through the week, we are serving the same heavenly boss And the incredible thing is he actually will reward us. There's an inheritance that will come for those who trust and follow him. Third thing is um, every boss has a bigger boss. And I know lots of people here have people who report underneath them. We've got business owners. And one of the things people who are at the top of the tree often forget is uh, they actually are accountable to someone else. And one of the problems comes in the workplace when bosses forget that they're accountable for their work. And what Paul is saying to those who are masters in their day, um, make sure you look after your workers in a way that is right and fair because you know you also have a master in heaven. And you might be the boss at work and think, I've got all the power. Paul is here to remind us to say, actually, no, you report upline as well. And even if you are the CEO and there's no board over you, we still have someone who is totally over us, which is our Heavenly Father. And I was thinking about this uh, in terms of work and these realities, that actually you can't separate your work off and put it kind of in a silo on the side and just do what you want, but rather we've got to interpret our work through the lens of the gospel that there is one who is at the center of the story the lord jesus christ who we are serving in everything we do and who watches over and is concerned for what we do and i thought about this thing these things firstly the best job i think is not necessarily the highest paid and i say that because in our current culture that's what we've reinterpreted work to be that the best jobs are the highest paid jobs Um, We don't value volunteer work as much. But the reality is this, whether you're getting paid or not, you're still serving and working and God says that is a good thing. And we need to value work, not according to how high the pay is, but by what we're actually doing in that and the way we are serving and assisting and being productive in our society. The best job is not necessarily the highest paid job. And that's not to say that if you've got the highest paid job, that's a bad thing. Uh, I'm not against that. Earning dollars is significant, but earning dollars is not ultimate. Secondly, a thing to think through. One of our problems 
And the cultural story of our work is, it is a place you can find your ultimate meaning, your ultimate identity from. And here's the thing, if work is the place that you find your ultimate meaning from, and it's not serving Jesus, my warning is this, when people find their ultimate meaning in life through their work, they very much run the risk of becoming controlling, angry or domineering. Because when work is ultimate, those who are working for you, rather than you being the boss who serves them through providing good employment, good training, good supervision and caring for them as people, they just become pawns in the game. For you to achieve your end to achieve so that you can feel good about your job and what you're doing and let me say I see this all the time it's one of the common problems where people idolize their work and the people underneath them they are just pawns in the game who are there to provide them with their achievements what about if you find your identity through your work in other words what really defines me is that I am a successful whatever businessman, teacher, tradie. And in fact, I only feel good about myself because of what I do. And that can be for all sorts of reasons that people get to this place where they define themselves by their job. And that's where they really find their sense of achievement and acceptance in the world. Now, if that's you, you'll run the risk of becoming a workaholic. And see, what the gospel says is, no, the one who gives you your identity is actually the Lord Jesus Christ. And so whether you've got a job or not, you're still loved. If you make mistakes at work, you're still loved. Uh, Work will still be there next week. You can actually go home and rest. You don't have to drive yourself into the ground. Because your identity is found as a child of the Heavenly Father who loves you. You see, the centre of the story is Jesus. And the wonderful news about this story is he loves you and makes you part of his family. Next thought. If as a boss, what drives you ultimately is profit and not serving Jesus, my warning is this you'll be very vulnerable to exploiting the workers under you as you seek a better bottom line. It's a very common reality in the workplace. You are there to get me a better bottom line. And what happens is uh, workers cut corners, um, workers have terrible work conditions, workers exploit those who work under them. Because what is most important is what? delivering a profit. Now, one of the problems that some people have as Christians is they'll be within corporations where, in a sense, that issue is almost taken out of their hands because they have to, they're told, deliver for the shareholders. It's a massive issue. You see, what is ultimate is not profit. It's actually running a business that glorifies God in how you work and how you treat people and the productivity you provide in the service of the community here, 
Those are the things that the gospel says are ultimate. Now, let me just say, if you're making good profits in a way that honours Jesus, I want to say that's great news, okay? I'm not against people making good profits. Um, The Bible teaches us that we are to be good stewards of all that we've got, and it's a part of that. If you're making good profits and you're working well for the betterment of society uh, and you're looking after your workers, great. Uh, All I'd say is, if you've got lots of profits, make sure you're generous with them. Because the news of the gospel is actually we don't own what we have, we're just stewards of what we have to use for the care of people and the growth of the gospel. I spoke to a man this week who um, lives over in the eastern suburbs and you'd put him in the very, very significant wealth category of Sydney. Um, And I had dinner over at the house and I rang him to talk about some funding for an external ministry project. And I was so encouraged by the conversation Um, because what he was saying is um, his whole life has been turned upside down as he's discovered Jesus Christ and it's revolutionized the way he sees the world now and sees his work you see the gospel story is now controlling his work and he said I want to be a gospel patron and he's got the capacity to do great things through the prophets made in the service of the kingdom and in the service of the Lord Jesus and to help people And so he's now applying the gospel to his work, going, okay, what does that now mean with the resources I've been blessed with? You see, the gospel proclaims that Jesus is Lord even at work. And we should value excellence in work. Uh, We should want to work in ways that are productive for our society. Uh, We shouldn't cut corners at work because we know God is watching. We should be the most valued, hardworking employees at work. People should go, that person's a Christian, I can trust them. Uh, That's a great thing. And Christians should bring joy to work. Because, you see, we know the King of Kings. And Christians should be great people on staff teams. They should be people who resonate with joy and love. They've got compassion, they've got forgiveness. Um, They're overlooked, faults in people. They bring their skills and they're dedicated. And you see, this is the way the story of the gospel should impact and get us to think. We actually have to stop and think about, okay, how does being a Christian impact our work? It gives us a new story. It gives us a new way to work. Oh, I've missed my slides. There we go. Too excited. Thirdly, a new type of work. I'm going to finish up on this note. I want you to think with me again about the gospel. I said there's a story of creation. There's a fall. And there's redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's also a new creation coming. And there's a day coming when the Lord Jesus will return. This is the gospel news. And the news is that this creation will one day pass away and a new creation will come. And so we live between two worlds as Christians. And what that meant back when Jesus walked the earth was he called people out of their daily work to a new work, which was to preach the gospel. And that endeavour we are still involved in. And so all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ are to allow the gospel to affect how we work, but we're also called to a new work, which is the work of proclaiming Jesus to the world. And so if I could put it this way, we had to work for the common good in the world as Christians because we're part of the world. 
And so governing, educating, financing, engineering, building, maintaining, caring, fixing, administrating, recreating, volunteering, um, arting, you know, all, all the beautiful things of life and the hard things of life and the important things of life and the necessities, they need to all keep going on. We need cars to drive in. You know, we need houses to live in. Uh, we need banks to borrow money from. All those things and you're part of all that, great. Keep doing it. Uh, and as, that, as we live in a world that has got injustice and poverty, we want to care for the poor, the marginalised and those in need and be helpful for them and care for them because we're part of this world. But there is a new world coming that we have to at the same time announce. There's a new work and that work is to proclaim a message. We are to herald good news. And what we're saying to the world is actually the cultural story that you may have bought is actually not the real story. There's actually a God who made us and is over all of us and who is at the centre of history. And you see, our problem deep down is not a lack of happiness or fulfilment. It's actually that we have turned our backs on this God in our attempts to find happiness and fulfilment. It's what the Bible calls sin. And the call of the gospel is to turn around and put Jesus at the centre and to believe the good news that he loves you and he's died for you and he wants you to be part of his family. And so we're called as people who have accepted that to actually make that known in the world as we continue on in our daily work. And that's why Peter says these words, and I'm going to finish on this. He says, look, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And he says it in the context of their daily life and work. And what he's saying is, as you work, work in a way as followers of the Lord Jesus, that you actually radiate hope. That you believe this world is not all there is. You actually live for the world to come. And your hearts are filled with joy about that reality. And so as people see you working, they go, why do you have such joy? Why do you live as if this world is not all there is? Tell me about that. You see, Peter doesn't say, go and hit your head go and hit your work colleagues over your head he says no live in a way that provokes conversation and causes questions and when they come be prepared to speak for the reason you've got hope but do it with gentleness and respect and you see this is the new work we're called to it's the work of the gospel and it's why we come together on Sunday to be renewed in our vision of the gospel and of the hope of eternity and to reorientate our lives according to the gospel every Sunday, so that as we go out to work and serve Christ in our work and serve this world, we go out with the hope of eternity in our hearts. The gospel changes everything, including our work. And I want us just to stop now and pray. And I want you to think through uh, these realities that there's a new story for your work, there's a new way for you to work and there's a new type of work that we're all called to be a part of. What is God saying to you today through the gospel about your understanding and practice of work? Well, let's just stop and be quiet for a moment and just allow ourselves to think and to listen to God speaking to us.
And each Sunday we've been praying for different sorts of workers. And today I want to pray for a number of groups, uh, for students, so people who are learning, which is obviously a very important thing in life, so we can learn to then serve and work. I want to pray for volunteers, those who are volunteer workers. And we have many of them. But also those who work in the service industries. It could be in hospitality. But we serve. And if that's you, I want to invite you to stand and I want to pray for you this day. So if you're in those categories, students, volunteer workers, or people working in service industries... Uh, please be upstanding and let me pray for you in your work. People still standing? Yep, there's more than that. Yes, we know. That's all right. We're not going to do anything weird. I want to pray for you in your work. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for those who are students and learning. May their experience of learning be rich. May it transform and equip them to work well in the world and to understand whatever it is they're learning. And we pray, prepare them for future work in great ways. We pray for those who are volunteers and I thank you they give just out of the generosity and joy of their heart. We pray that you would reward them richly for their endeavours, be it service here in the church or in the community, we thank you for them. And Father, for those who work in service industries, caring and helping other people in whatever way, shape or form. We pray, Lord, that you give them great joy as they serve others and may their service be helpful and meaningful to those who they are in contact with. And we just pray for everyone here today that we would allow the gospel to redefine our story of work, help us to work differently in accord with the gospel and Lord, for all of us, give us opportunity to do that great work of sharing the gospel with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.